Chapter Four of To London Town. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gray Clayton. To London Town by Arthur Morrison. Chapter Four. Johnny had finished his tea, and was lying at his ease in the old easy chair, whistling rattling his heels on the hearth, and studying a crack in the ceiling that suggested an angry face. Mrs. May had put the sixpence the slows had brought into the cracked teacup that still waited the return of Uncle Isaac's half-crown, had washed the tea-things, and was now mending the worn collar of Grandad's greatcoat in readiness for the winter. Bessie had fallen asleep over her book, had been wakened, had fallen asleep again, and in the end had drowsily climbed the stairs to early bed. But still the old man did not return. "'I wonder Grandad ain't back yet,' Johnny's mother said for the third time. "'He said he'd be quick so as to finish that case tonight.' This was a glass-topped mahogany box, in course of setting with specimens for all the Svengees a special private order. Spect he can't find them caterpillars he went for, Johnny conjectured. That's what it is. He's forgot all about racing me home. Mrs. May finished the collar, lifted the coat by the loop, and turned it about in search of rents. Finding none, she put it down and stood at the door, listening. Think you're too tired to go and look for him, Johnny? she asked presently. Johnny thought he was. It's them caterpillars, safe enough, he said. He never saw any before, and it was just a chance last night. Tonight he can't find them, and he's keeping on searching all over the pits and the sleigh. That's about it. There was another pause, till Mrs. May remembered something. That bit of candle he had in the lantern wouldn't last an hour, she said. He'd have had to come back for more. Johnny, I'm getting nervous. Why, what for? asked Johnny, though the circumstances of the short candles startled his confidence. He might get a light from somewhere else, instead of coming all the way back. But where? asked Mrs. May. There's only the dun cow, and he might almost as well come home. Besides, he wouldn't ask them. Johnny left the chair and joined his mother at the door. As they listened, a more regular sound made itself plain amid the low hum of the trees. Footsteps. Here he comes, said Johnny. But the sound neared, and the steps were long, and the tread was heavy. In a few moments, Bob Smallpiece's voice came from the gloom, wishing them good night. Mrs. May called to him. Have you seen Grandad anywhere, Mr. Smallpiece? The keeper checked his strides and came to the garden gate, piebald with the light from the cottage door. No, he said. I ain't run across him nor seen his light anywheres. Know which way he went? He was just going to Wormleton Pits and back, that's all. Well, I've just come straight across the pits, and as straight here as ever I could go, past the dun cow, and ain't seen ne'er a sign of him. One in particular? I'm getting nervous about him, Mr. Smallpiece. Somehow I'm frightened tonight. He went out about six and now it don't want much of nine, and he only had a bit of candle that wouldn't burn an hour, 
and he never meant stopping long, I know, because of a case he's got to set. I, I thought perhaps you might have seen... No, I see nothing of him. But I'll go back to the pits now, if you like, and welcome. I'd be sorry to bother you, but I would like someone to go. Here, Johnny, go along. There's a good boy. All right, all right, the keeper exclaimed cheerfully. We'll go together. I expect he's invented some new speeches of moth, and he's forgotten all about his light, thinking out the improvements. It ain't the first time he's been out at night about here, anyhow. Not likely to lose himself, Mrs May. Johnny had his cap and was at the gate, and in a moment the keeper and he were mounting the slope. Mother's worrying herself over nothing tonight, Johnny grumbled. Grandad's been later in this many a time, and she never said a word. Why, when he gets after caterpillars and things, he forgets everything. They walked on among the trees. Presently. How long is it since your father died? Bob Smallpiece asked abruptly. Oh, nine years now, and more. Mother might have married again, I suppose. I don't know. Very likely. Never heard her say nothing. Bob Smallpiece walked on with no more reply than a grunt. Soon a light from the dun cow twinkled through the bordering coppice, and in a few paces they were up to the wood's edge. No light along the road, the keeper said, glancing to left and right and making across the hard gravel. There's somebody, Johnny exclaimed, pointing up the pale road. Drunk, objected the other, and truly the indistinct figure staggered and floundered. And going the wrong way, chaps just out of the dun cow. Come on. But Johnny's gaze didn't shift. It's Grandad, he cried suddenly and started running. Bob Smallpiece sprang after him, and in twenty paces they were running abreast. As they neared the old man, they could hear him talking rapidly in a monotonous, high-pitched voice. He was hatless, and though they called, he took no heed, but stumbled on as one seeing and hearing nothing, till, as the keeper reached to seize his arm, he trod in a gully and fell forwards. The shock interrupted his talk, and he breathed heavily, steering still before him, as he regained his uncertain foothold and reeled a step further. And then Bob Smallpiece grasped him above the elbow and shouted his name. "'What's the matter, Grandad?' Johnny demanded. "'Ill?' The old man glared fixedly and made as though to resume his course. "'Why, what's this?' said Bob Smallpiece, retaining the arm and lifting a hand gently to the old man's hair. It was blood, dotted and trickling. Lord, he's had a bad wipe over the head, said Bob, and with that lifted old May in his arms as a nurse lifts a child. Thalen's nearest. Run, Johnny boy, run like the blazes and fetch the doctor, Tantivy. Take him into the dun cow? No, home's best, and save shifting him twice. Run it! Purple emperors and small coppers, began the old man again in his shrill chatter. Small coppers and masked ringlets everywhere, and my bag full of letters at the beginning of the round, but I finished my round, and now they're all gone, all gone, because of London coming, and I give in my empty bag, and... And so he tailed off into indistinguishable gabble, while Bob's wolfpiece carried him into the wood. To Johnny, scudding madly towards Thaden, it imparted a grotesque horror, as of some absurd nightmare. 
this baby babble of his white-haired grandfather, carried baby fashion. He blinked as he ran and felt his head for his cap, half believing that he ran in a dream in very truth. End of chapter 4 Recording by Gray Clayton